When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, co-hosted by yours truly, Kate Richardson and Megan Pachecki. We're two registered dietitians here to make your life easier by debunking diet myths, sharing scientific information about nutrition, and keeping you motivated to reach your goals. We want to teach you everything we know by giving you real life examples of how we've helped our combined thousands of clients transform their lives, lose weight, and get healthy without having to go on another cookie cutter diet. On this podcast, we'll be giving you our best advice, strategies, and mindset shifts so you too can reach your goals using food and most importantly, enjoy the process. So when we were talking about what we want to discuss today on the podcast, I asked you and you said cholesterol. One word. I regret Cholesterol. It. <laughs> I regret Why? it. Why? Why do you want to talk? This is un... I'm the type of person who's going to pick a topic like that, a one word topic. And you're always like, yeah, but let's talk about like the feelings that are involved <laughs> when someone maybe has high cholesterol for the first time. And then they come home and like what the roller coaster of that is like with their family and their. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. OK. So we switch roles here. You said cholesterol. Why? I'm tired of people asking me about their cholesterol. And I'm not necessarily tired of it. I'm just tired of explaining it. <clears throat> people will come in with a total cholesterol level of 215, which for reference is about 15 points over what your doctor's lab results will deem as normal or within normal limits. Mm-hmm. And if everything else in their metabolic panel is healthy, their blood glucose levels are normal, their other cardiac me- markers are normal, and they're so hyper fixated on solving this cholesterol problem because their doctor suggested they maybe consider a statin Mm -hmm. or start eating vegan or whatever it might be Mm -hmm. it sends people into a frenzy yeah and there's just so much to say about cholesterol and i actually wanted to do this podcast with you i haven't told you this because i think you're really good at taking this complex science and making it digestible and i yeah you're better at that than me and so I just want practice being able to explain mm-hmm. what people should actually be concerned about. And then, of course, sharing the dietary recommendations for anybody that is concerned about certain cardiac measures, uh, heart health markers, cholesterol. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is meeting people where they are. So I know that there are a lot of, you know, high-level physicians or people who are really into the weeds on this that get very mad when you use the terms good versus bad cholesterol. And they get very angry about this because they're like, cholesterol is a molecule. It exists in every single cell that we have. We would die without cholesterol. There would be no life without cholesterol. So there is no such thing as a good versus a bad cholesterol. And while that is true... Unless you have 25 minutes to explain the rest of all of it and kind of where these numbers come from and what we're actually measuring and how they move through the body. If you want to spend 25 minutes on that, great. But for an hour-long consultation or a 30-minute follow-up, it's a lot easier to describe it as good versus bad cholesterol. You don't know how happy I am to hear you say that because it's exactly how I feel. And sometimes when I describe it as good and bad cholesterol, I feel like 
did I do this person a disservice? Mm-hmm. And I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I really don't think so. And by person, I mean client, because we have a limited amount of time. And most people, unless I can read the room and figure out, okay, this person comes from like a medical science background, they really want to get into it. They don't want to spend their money and time listening to me give a lecture. So hopefully this podcast can kind of stand in for that. Right, exactly. And I think most of the time when people are coming in, they want to know the real life here's what you should do versus understanding what these numbers actually mean. I guess having the understanding of what the numbers mean is important for some people, but I think most people are just like, what do I do so that when I go into the doctor, I don't leave feeling bad or I don't leave feeling worried or I don't leave with a new prescription. Yeah. So, I mean, everyone knows you got the LDL and the HDL, right? Mm -hmm. So, what we're what you're measuring is not actually cholesterol in that situation so cholesterol is in your cells think about cholesterol kind of moving through your bloodstream so we use our liver to transport cholesterol to and from all the way through like it's going through your arteries just like a just like blood glucose is going through i picture i heard <laughs> dr peter atia describe it as your cholesterol is like this little package okay. and your blood is like the river. Okay. That makes and then sense. your package connects to a ship, which is a lipoprotein, yes. which I'm guessing you're about to explain. Right. Exactly. So the reason why it needs a ship, so something like glucose is water soluble, so it moves through the blood very easily. But something like a lipoprotein or cholesterol molecule, think about a dressing, how you put oil and water together and it doesn't mix. It doesn't mix. So it needs a carrier for it. So that's what these LDL, low density lipoprotein, HDL, high density lipoprotein. These are the ships that are moving things back and forth throughout the artery. So it's like we could get to like a 101 level, we can get to a 102 level, a 104 level in the way that we're explaining these things. But I think for most people, that's pretty much what they need to know. Mm -hmm. I don't think we need to go much further than that. But I do think what's really important for everyone to know is like, what do these numbers really mean to me? So if somebody comes in and in the case that you described, you know, their total cholesterol is 215, they have a high HDL, They also have a high LDL, and then they're coming in, they're exercising, they have a pretty good diet, they're not a smoker, Um, maybe they do some cardiovascular exercise, their stress level is low, maybe we look at some other markers of inflammation, like ApoB, and that's fine. Um, Explain what ApoB is. I can't really explain. So ApoB is... Similar to the ship situation, like the HDL and the LDL, it's a ship moving the cholesterol. Mm-hmm. ApoB is a measure, a separate measurement from those two things. That, from what I understand, ApoB is more of a and a better indicator for cardiovascular yes. disease than even HDL or LDL is. So, like, why are we looking at these numbers in the first place? Well, we're looking at these numbers because what we've seen is that the higher your LDL number the greater your risk for a cardiovascular event, especially when considering these other factors like smoking, like your activity, like your diet, um, your blood glucose levels, if you have any other chronic diseases. So when we're taking those things into account, what we've seen now are there are some some of these other markers like CRP, which is a measurement of inflammation, and ApoB are actually even better indicators than that LDL number. Mm -hmm. That LDL number is kind of a out of date number to be using, but it's something that everyone's kind of comfortable with 
at this point. It also matters whether you've had a heart attack or not. So if you've had a heart attack and your LDL number is high, that's more of a risk factor than if you've never had any type of cardiovascular event. So if we're looking at all these numbers and they're all high, then we're like, okay, there's probably something we need to do here. But if just by itself that LDL number or that total cholesterol number is high, I don't think that's reason for concern. That being said, people do have hereditary factors. Um, There are some people who have had high cholesterol through their whole family. They're doing a lot of things right. They still have high cholesterol. Their physician is concerned because maybe their parents died at a young age from a cardiovascular event. In that situation, yes, I would want them to do everything possible to get that number down within normal limits. Yeah, so in a nutshell, just looking at one single lab measurement without looking at the whole picture is a mistake. Mm -hmm. Because sure, maybe somebody who has an elevated LDL cholesterol, we'd have to look at their total lifestyle, help them make adjustments, make changes. But if you're so hyper-fixed on one number that could be hereditary or could just be arbitrary because everything else is in normal range, then you choose to go on a medication or you obsess over something or do something extreme, then it could actually put you in a, a more difficult position to manage your lifestyle. And I will say the heredity th- hereditary thing is a cop-out oftentimes. Um, I know people don't want to hear that, but it's more often a lifestyle thing than it is hereditary. Now, I've seen it be hereditary in some cases, but I would say that is not the majority. Most often you're like, you know what, my mom has high cholesterol, my dad has high cholesterol. My guess is that your lifestyle is pretty similar mm-hmm. to your your mothers and your fathers or the rest of the people in your family and that there are probably things that we can do to lower that maybe we don't get it within normal limits Mm -hmm. but maybe we get it within your normal limits and if we're looking at it over time maybe your normal is a 215 whereas someone else's is a 180 and that's totally okay and that's that that's not putting you at any higher risk but i don't like when people come in and they're like i've had high cholesterol since i was 18 years old it's just hereditary everyone in my family has it but then when we look at the diet and we look at the lifestyle factors it's like well all of these things are also leading to your high cholesterol so whether or not it is hereditary <laughs> you still have lots of room for improvement mm-hmm. to get that number down to i like that your normal and talking about cardiac health and and risk factors that have to to do with the heart i'm also a lot more concerned about people's blood pressure trends Mm -hmm. i mean cholesterol of course in the context sure but if somebody's blood pressure is really high chronically high that to me is more of a a red flag that we need to tackle quickly Mm -hmm. to help improve their cardiac health and that's something that you can measure on the day-to-day and really see the improvements a lot faster and in most cases if you're doing the things to improve your blood pressure a lot of times you're also going to see those other markers get within normal limits as well so let's talk about the practical things that people can do to we'll focus on cholesterol but overall heart health a lot of these things that we're going to be talking about are going to be encapsulating cardiac wellness metabolic wellness and because we're dietitians we'll start with the diet perspective So number one thing that I always look for is, well, I do this with every client. I try to focus on what to eat more of. Of Mm -hmm. course, there's always going to be talk about like, let's eliminate these specific things as much as possible. Let's try not to gravitate towards the, you know, fatty, greasy chips or burgers, but let's focus on what to eat more of that you actually like. And the big unsexy nutrient that no one likes to talk about is fiber. (laughs) Yeah. Fiber. It is really unsexy. It is. Because with fiber, you're going to be talking about poop. Yeah. Which I know you'd like to talk about. (laughs) I'm getting better at it. I'll talk about it now. Yeah. 
<clears throat> but when it comes to improving cardiac measures, when it comes to cholesterol, when it comes to regulation, appetite regulation, fiber's where it's at. Yeah. So fiber's going to be found in a lot of plant-based foods, primarily plant-based foods. Mm-hmm. And that's not just fruits and vegetables, although those are excellent sources. You can find them in nuts, seeds, legumes, beans, whole grains, starchy vegetables like potatoes. Mm-hmm. And so getting sources of those every time you eat, including snacks, is a great way to start improving any of those numbers you're concerned about. Right, exactly. And I think it goes back to that age-old recommendation, which is like eating more whole foods, eating more things that are grown from a tree or come from the ground. And I think with this fast-paced lifestyle that everyone is living now, it's even harder Mm -hmm. to get those things, like those ready-made things that you can just kind of grab and go that have fiber in them. And so I think overall probably our consumption of fiber is probably going down if anything and if you're focusing on foods that have fiber in them my bet is that you're also getting foods that are super high in micronutrients super high in antioxidants which are also going to be good for heart health as well they're going to be anti-inflammatory foods so those two things kind of go hand in hand And I think this kind of goes back to something that you and I preach a lot, which is looking at the meal as a whole and not looking at one specific nutrient. So for example, if you look at just the cholesterol on a label, like I don't want anybody to just look for cholesterol on a label. Does anyone look for cholesterol on a label? I don't think so anymore. I think because the FDA, was it the FDA or was it the American Heart Association that I want to say like 10 years ago, they said cholesterol is no longer a nutrient of concern. Mm -hmm. Well, now if you like do a little Googling, nobody's saying that anymore. It's still there. It's still on the nutrition label. They were going to take it off completely, but it's still there. It needs to go. (laughs) And it's because, you know, TLDR, the Mm -hmm. cholesterol that is in your body, that serum cholesterol, that plasma cholesterol is mostly synthesized by your body. Mm-hmm. So the dietary cholesterol that you eat from eggs and shellfish, it's not absorbed because of just the way it comes in. I can't remember exactly what the mechanism. The mechanism mm-hmm. exactly, but it's not absorbed. Barely any of it's absorbed. Most of it's what we call endogenous, so it's synthesized within the body. So you don't have to worry about dietary cholesterol increasing your serum cholesterol. So I think a lot, a lot of the reason why those recommendations have remained, like do not eat foods with cholesterol, is because a lot of the foods that are high in cholesterol are also high in saturated fat. And so what we have seen is that foods that are high in saturated fat, especially when paired with foods with sugar mm-hmm. or simple carbohydrates, now that is what is going to cause those cholesterol, bad in quotes, cholesterol levels to go up in your body and increase your risk for cardiovascular disease independent of what these numbers look like if you are eating that way your heart is not going to be healthier for it Mm -hmm. so if you look at something like an egg which is quote high in cholesterol the question is are you eating that egg with bacon and white bread or bacon and pancakes or are you eating that egg with in a in an omelet with spinach and tomatoes and zucchini with an apple on the side like it's a completely different meal with different ramifications for your heart it's not based on just are you eating an egg Mm. people love to just focus on one food and villainize it or one nutrient and 
villainize it or put it on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things, one of the nutrients that rightly so is on a pedestal is protein. I mean, there's such an emphasis on protein, which is good until you're only focusing on protein mm-hmm. and you're not thinking about fiber and you're not thinking about foods that have those, dare I say, healing properties, antioxidants, yeah. anti-inflammatory foods. Mm-hmm. And so I'll hear a lot of clients come in and tell me, you know, I eat healthy and we'll run through what they eat in a day. And it will be, you know, protein bars that aren't made from whole real foods and protein powders, which is fine, but they're missing the fiber. They're missing those whole foods. And that does take an extra little step. Sometimes you have to take a pause and a beat and think about how can I add more to this protein supplement or this food that contains protein so that it does become more balanced? Because if we're just focusing on protein and not thinking about what types of healthy carbs and healthy fats to eat, then we may end up in a situation where we're craving exactly what you described, which is that combination of saturated fat and refined sugar. Right. This is where you can think of packaged cookies and pizza and fast food. That's the combination that gets people in trouble. Mm-hmm. It's not fat by itself. It's not your avocado or your nuts. It's not your whole grain piece of bread or brown rice. It's when you take your refined white bread and spread a bunch of, I don't know, fake butter on it. Mm-hmm. I think when you look at the media over the years, at first it was like, okay, cholesterol is bad for your heart. Don't eat foods that have cholesterol. And so we couldn't eat any shellfish and we couldn't eat, definitely couldn't eat eggs and cheese was bad and all of that. And then we uncovered all this science that was covered up by the sugar industry, that sugar is actually what caused cardiovascular disease and high cholesterol, and they just paid all this money to bury it. So then it was like, sugar is terrible for you, carbs are bad for you, like, don't worry about animal proteins. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, I don't think either of those things are true or, or what you need to put in your head, because if you put both of those things in your head, it's like, well, every single thing I put on your plate, there's something then wrong with that food. So I think instead of making the argument that it's sugar that's the problem or that it's a certain type of fat that's the problem, it's looking at it like you were looking at it. Like, let's analyze your diet as a whole. The client I had yesterday, if you looked at her overall diet, probably like, yeah, she eats pretty healthy. She has a protein shake for breakfast. For lunch, she usually takes a turkey sandwich on whole grain bread with a yogurt. Um, For dinner, she usually does like a factor one of those factor meals something like that or she'll pick up like a panera something like that on her way home so if you look at the overall you're like oh yeah she's eating pretty healthy but when we really look at it it's like you're not getting a whole lot of nutrients there Mm -hmm. there's really not a lot of fiber there and so her problem was binging at the end of the day and she's like but i'm eating like on regular intervals i'm eating healthy things i don't see how my body is staying hungry but it's like well think about all these other things that you're probably missing out on that you're trying to then make up for at the end of the night but really it's ending you're ending up eating oreos and you're not gonna binge on a kale salad at that point the body is so smart that's Mm -hmm. the thing that just i I can't ever just get over how your body has intrinsic mechanisms to get what it needs. Mm -hmm. So if it doesn't get enough energy, it's going to drive you to get energy. And even micronutrients, if you're not getting micronutrients and phytonutrients and all these things that your body wants and craves and needs from food that contains them, it's never going to feel satisfied. 
And I have a lot of people that tell me when they come in, actually, I can think of a, a client I had last week, you know, what brought you in? And she was telling me something just feels off. I can't mm-hmm. describe it. I just feel off. I feel like there's something missing. And she was describing, you know, how she had felt years ago when she felt better. And she was trying to say, oh, it was because I was doing CrossFit this many times a week. And I had a different job. And maybe that made a difference. But now when we looked at her diet and her lifestyle, again, you'd objectively say it wasn't unhealthy. There were just huge gaps of nutrients. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I I feel like clients are maybe disappointed when that's the recommendation. We go through it. I'm like, oh, look, it's just a bunch of micro adjustments throughout the day to give you more of what you need so that you feel better. And they almost look at me like, oh, so it's just eat healthier. <laughs> what you're telling me. Yeah. And, it, you know, obviously it's more complex than that because we get into real detail about how to do it and mm-hmm. when to do it and how to actually make sure it gets done. But yeah, it's let's figure out how to get more real whole foods in your body in the right balance at an appropriate timing that fits within your lifestyle and gets you to where you want to be. It's not some whole 30 approach where there's a huge amount of foods that we're going to tell you not to eat because of whatever reason because that's just that's lazy kind of like just mm-hmm. saying that you know you should go on a statin if your cholesterol is slightly over and nothing else is out of range it's just lazy practicing so yeah i think that that recommendation of trusting your body more mm-hmm. and trusting those feelings that you're getting people don't under they either don't understand that recommendation they never have tried to do that before or they're just so far out of being able to do that 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 feels like what did you just tell me to do like jump out of an airplane no like tell me like i need three cups of vegetables today and one cup of this and two tablespoons of that don't tell me to listen to my body Mm -hmm. because where am i gonna go from here but i think what you were describing is when people are staying in that like hunter mentality which is like your body is driving you to go get food get food get food and something feels like it's missing it's because there is something missing and maybe you do need a dietitian to help you break that down and figure out what that is but there needs to be some level of trust there between your body being able to guide you to what it needs and then you listening and giving it what it needs instead of doing something like a whole 30 where maybe you did that and you felt really good but you allowed somebody else to give you the guidelines to do it and then obviously you quit you didn't do whole 30 forever so it's like well how do we do this in a way that makes sense for you you're listening to your body and you're not just reading off of some guideline Mm -hmm. diet that you have to follow which is very empowering Mm -hmm. i love when that realization comes full circle for people no matter what they're battling with because it helps them first of all connect with themselves better which is i don't know just one of the greatest things you can do to understand yourself better Mm -hmm. as a human to build more confidence in yourself to feel better less obsessive and then bringing this back to the topic of cholesterol if you are trying to lower your cholesterol i understand that somebody's first step made to think maybe to think that they need to go on some kind of diet they go on online they find a cookbook or a plan that's specifically tailored to lower their cholesterol and they wonder why it doesn't work for the long haul they'll pick a certain approach of eating based on how other people claim and maybe it works for a short time or maybe it works forever but that doesn't seem to be the case very often Mm -hmm. so it really is looking at the nuance behind what you eat and what drives you to make choices because if you're eating a perfect clean vegan diet all day long and then binging on a bunch of crap at night 
maybe the vegan diet isn't appropriate for you or you're not doing it right. Yeah. And you need to make some adjustments so that you actually can get whatever number you're trying to correct in check. Right. And I think for most people, if we're looking at their numbers and we're evaluating their lifestyle, we can find those little gaps and find those things that they can focus on. And that next time they get those lab work, that lab done, we usually do see an improvement based on those lifestyle factors. Now I have to throw this out there um, because I had a client who was in her 40s her both her grandmother and her mother had passed away from a cardiovascular event in their 50s and her um, cholesterol was high despite having a pretty she did crossfit so she was very active four to five times a week she was muscular looking at her Um, her diet was pretty great and so and going through a lot of different things she was just really 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 wanted to get this number down because she didn't want to have to worry about anything in her 50s and her doctor was kind of on board with her doing some experimentation nutrition wise and I brought up eating less meat and at first she was very like oh no like I can't have a meal without me like what would I eat because it's kind of that CrossFit mentality um and so we didn't draw a line in the sand and say hey you have to be vegan now which I think you know there's this big Netflix documentary I can't remember forks over knives that was like a big thing for a while and that doctor I think his name's Esselstein he recommends absolutely no fats at all so like no oils no nothing but he's shown so many people like that were on the brink of death and cardiovascular disease and then how healthy they are and yeah i think you can do that on something like that but then you got to meet people like as a real person how often did they continue that over time so with her we started like vegetarian before six so she did a a meat-free breakfast she did an animal-free lunch and then dinner was with her family she didn't have to make two different meals it was chicken it was whatever for dinner and what we found was in making that deal she ended up eating more meals that were meatless because she had to kind of figure out what to do for breakfast and for lunch and so it ended up being a little bit more than what we had even said over time and she got better at it and that was the only thing that brought her cholesterol levels Mm -hmm. down was less animal products because cholesterol only occurs in living things like animals so cheese dairy actual meat like that's where you're gonna get cholesterol from you don't get cholesterol from bread you don't get get cholesterol from an apple so the thought then is if you're decreasing your intake of these animal-based foods then you can also see a decrease in your cholesterol overall so for her it worked we had tried several things before that it worked for her so whatever there is to say about that you know she's one case study but nothing else had really I believe it. I've had a few people that go to veganish. That's what I always mm-hmm. call it. I like that idea of vegetarian before six, though, because that solves that problem that a lot of at least parents have to face, yeah. which is making like three different dinners. Mm-hmm. So vegan or vegetarian before six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had some people on a veganish diet, and it definitely helps get their cholesterol down. Yeah. I can think of one woman in particular, kind of a similar situation, except she was single, a little bit older, lived alone. So it was pretty easy for her simple for her to figure it out she definitely wasn't a crossfitter but she was doing boot camp and part of me wonders is it a combination of the increased fiber and anti-inflammatory foods and or the saturated fat 
less saturated fat consumption. It's probably a little bit of both. Probably both, yeah. 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 So just meeting people where they are. Mm-hmm. And then always, I think that another huge thing to look at is the snack foods. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of people have decent meals, and then their snacks are going to be full of the things that could lead to, to some issues. Right, exactly. So hopefully this helps you understand cholesterol a little bit better. And I think... From one from one perspective, like if you're doing a lot of things right and you have this one number that's out of whack, it's really asking yourself like, why are we looking at this number at all? That's the thing that I want to know. Like, what is this telling me about myself? And is it something that I need to change? Are there more things that I can do? Or at this point, am I am I good overall? I had a client who recently got pregnant and she was concerned because her cholesterol levels were like very i mean 212 or something like that and she's like oh my gosh i can't have anything that's out of whack i'm i'm gonna have a baby like i have to be as healthy as i possibly can and she asked her doctor like should i go on medication should i get this down like what should i do and he he thankfully was like no you're not at all at the point where you need to worry about any of that stuff if anything like let's just eat some more fruits and vegetables and maybe a little less cheese and yeah. <laughs> go about go about your business. For sure. I, I think that's a good perspective is when you look at the number, then it forces you to look at your diet or maybe it should, it should force you to look at your diet and then you can make small little adjustments and don't underestimate the power of a small adjustment like eating one vegan or vegetarian meal a day yeah. or at least a few more a week if that seems like a lot for you swapping cheese for something else that's got fiber it's just little things like that do make a difference especially if your numbers aren't astronomically out of range yeah you do not have to draw in a lot a line in the sand and say i'm never gonna eat cheese no ever again but maybe if you said like for you know i'm only gonna eat cheese for one meal a day yeah and if i already use it on my sandwich at lunch like i'm gonna skip the cheese at dinner yeah it's not a big deal <clears throat> promise you can do it so if you have any more questions about this, I mean, you could ask us, especially about specific diet things. Uh, Dr. Peter, Peter Atia's website is a goldmine for cholesterol information. It is not beginner friendly. <laughs> it's you If you want to know the high level stuff that we didn't talk about yeah. and that I would not be good at explaining anyways, like that is where you need to go. He's got a few videos that break it down, but most of his content, you have to read through the paragraphs like six times. Yes. I kind of liked it. It reminded me of being in physiology class in college, Mm -hmm. like going through all these things and looking at pictures of different molecules going through the gut microbiome, you know. So uh, I thought that was kind of fun. But if you want to get in the weeds of it, that would be the resource I recommend. Do you have any other ones? Um, Just Google the straight (laughs) dope on cholesterol. And those are, he has a six part series really diving into the ins and outs about it. But then he also does have some, like, user-friendly videos that dumb it down a little bit for us normal people. Dumb it down is such a stretch. He's so freaking smart. True. When he talks, I'm like, whoa. And he is one of those people that get really mad when you say good versus bad cholesterol. Oh, he gets fired up. But he has time to explain it. His podcast is, like, two hours long. So, and all you're doing is in there listening to him blab so yeah and we don't you, have time for that if you decide to come to us and want to talk about cholesterol just mention that you listen to this podcast <laughs> so we don't tell you anything you already didn't know yeah. and you can tell us if you want us to dumb it down or if you want to go a little bit deeper but you know across the board a lot of the dietary recommendations aren't going to change too much it's just how do we make them fit for you it's kind of the the key there yep so i hope this was helpful and we will catch you on the next one later hope you enjoyed this episode of the nutrition awareness podcast and if you did find it helpful and want to share it with the whole world screen
screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram in your stories at nutrition.awareness so we can connect with you. To get notified about the next episode of Nutrition Awareness, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And to create your own personalized nutrition plan with us, be sure to schedule your virtual or in-person consultation on our website, www.orlandodietitian.com. Now get out there, fuel up, and live your healthiest life. We'll see you on the next